One of the things I find most challenging about being a special needs mom is balancing the special needs with the regular ones of the whole family. For example, ever since my husband and I were dating, we have loved spending time together in the mountains. The nearby Wasatch Range is a place for us to regroup together, emotionally reset, and get away from the stresses of everyday life. We've always been excited to share that with our children. We've gone on several hikes with everyone, Betty included, but it's getting really difficult with Betty. She can't walk yet, and she's getting heavy to carry, but doesn't like being in the backpack. She has a hard time being in bright sunlight, and her endurance can be pretty low. To some, it might seem like a no-brainer to leave her behind, but it's hard. We want to enjoy these experiences as a family, with everyone. I'm sure it's an issue that we'll continue to figure out over the coming years, but it's also one that a lot of families deal with. Do we leave that child behind or endure the extra stresses that come with taking them along? Or do we forgo the activity altogether since everyone can't participate? Today I'm talking with Courtney Westlake about some of these very questions and how she and her family are finding the answers. So stay with us. In January of 2013, my baby girl Betty was born. Later, we discovered a chromosomal deletion that would affect the rest of her life. I created this podcast to share the stories and struggles of special needs children and their families. This is episode 12 of Bringing Up Betty. I'm Sarah Evans. Courtney and her husband, Evan, have been married for eight years. They have a little boy named Connor, and when he was almost two, they were excited to be expecting again. We were really, really excited when we um, got pregnant. We found out we were having a little girl, and we thought that was just such an ideal addition to our family. And uh, my pregnancy was really pretty typical. The only thing looking back is, well, she moved a lot, but it wasn't like the big jabby rolls, you know, that typical pregnancies have. It was just a lot more fluttery kind of feeling. But otherwise, there was no cause for concern. So I went into labor four weeks early on December 19, 2011. And it was a huge shock. And when she started to come out, our attending physician kind of scraped at her a little bit and said, well, this is the thickest vernix I've ever seen, which is that covering um, on the baby, you know, when they're born. And we thought that was kind of odd, but then she was born and the doctor kind of laid her on my chest and everyone just kind of stopped and stared and a bunch of nurses ran into the room and they began paging and neonatologists and I was so confused about what was happening and, and I just thought she needed to be wiped off. And they put her in the warmer, began wiping her and the neonatologists rushed in and rushed back out with her. and. Evan almost fainted, and there was this just huge panic and confusion. And finally, the neonatologists and the dermatologists told us that she had a skin condition. I was completely shocked. You know, everyone was completely shocked. Um, they had never seen anything like it. Within several hours, their daughter, who they named Brenna, had a life-changing diagnosis. 
one so rare that the number of people who have it is estimated to be around 100. It ended up being called harlequin ichthyosis. It is the most severe form of um, the ichthyosis group. So we found that out very quickly, which was very fortunate because it's so rare. A lot of doctors have never even heard of it before. So at first I just thought being a skin condition that she would just look different. I really was not even thinking about the, the huge roles that our skin plays for our body. So it, it just took me days and weeks to even comprehend how critical this was. So she was rushed immediately to the NICU, which was actually at a different hospital than we gave birth at. So it was right before Christmas. And on December 24th, Christmas Eve, the doctors had kind of they had run some tests. I think they were regular tests, um, but they were a little concerned with some things. And we visited her that day. And then after Christmas Eve mass, Evan wanted to go say goodnight to her. And, you know, he called me and said that he was just going to wait for a little while because they were expecting some more test results to come back that he wanted to make sure everything looked okay. And so I went to bed. I was at home with Connor. And um, he called me later and and about 11 o'clock, I think. And he said, you need to get here right away. Things don't look good at all. At this point, I knew that she was extremely critical and I was almost expecting that. But at the same time, I was just thinking, um, please God, don't let my daughter die on Christmas. My parents rushed over and my dad drove me to the hospital and he ran every red light that we hit. We sat there. My best friend came and stayed with Connor all night on Christmas um, so that my parents and I could and Evan could all be there together. Brenna had an aggressive blood infection. And we sat down with the neonatologist and the nurse on duty and they told us that it would just be very difficult to intubate her um, because of her skin. We couldn't tape anything to her. It was just really hard to treat anything on her because they were constantly having to come up with creative ways to um, get around her skin issues. You know, they said if her breathing got much worse, any worse really, that we would have to make that decision about whether we would want to try to intubate her, which would most likely cause her a lot of pain and might probably wouldn't be successful, maybe would be successful, or to make her comfortable while she passed away. And it was just, I mean, it was the worst thing anyone could ever to say to a parent to have to make that kind of decision or even think about making that decision for your child. Um, we just, we sat by her side. We had an emergency baptism at 1 a.m. on Christmas Day. Our Evan's childhood pastor came and baptized Brenna for us. You know, it was, it was really quiet um, because it was Christmas, so no one was there. And it was just, it just felt like we were the only people awake in this tiny little NICU pod. And we just sat there and cried over her all night. Each little test just kept getting better and better about every hour and you know it just was enough to give us a little bit of hope it was the, probably the worst night of my life and um but she she made it through that night and she continued to fight through different 
surgeries. That first year was really, really hard. She had several surgeries and hospitalizations, but um, she just has continued to fight. After six weeks in the NICU, it was time to bring Brenna home. Bringing her home was really scary because the NICU is such a sterile environment and we just we wondered how we were going to be able to protect her at home and I think that the thing with Brenna's condition and you know conditions like hers that are lifelong that are genetic is that they're forever you know with uh, with a lot of babies you bring them home from the NICU and they just have to grow bigger and stronger and make it through a few obstacles and then everything's you know relatively fine but you know for conditions like Brenna's, it's just forever. We now do the same daily routines that we did from the day that we brought her home. And so it's always, you know, it's just this constant in our lives. So we had to just figure out this new routine, this new lifestyle, complete new lifestyle. And so that was really overwhelming to try to figure out how we were going to keep our home, you know, infection free, germ free, not germ free, but, um, not at risk to her. And, you know, she did end up getting some pretty bad staph infections that first year. And she still gets skin infections about probably once a quarter. When you think of a skin disorder, you might think like Courtney originally did, that it was purely an aesthetic issue. But skin is the largest and fastest growing organ in the human body. As Courtney and her family quickly learned, it's responsible for a lot more than how we look. Our skin has a lot of jobs for our body, and Brenna's skin really doesn't do any of those jobs. So with her condition, her skin just doesn't form properly. There's a mutation that she lacks a protein that helps her skin form correctly. To make up for that, her body tries to make way too much skin, and she just can't shed it quickly enough, so she's left with this thick, dry, peeling skin all over her body. It looks like a sunburn, a really bad sunburn. So her body doesn't, her skin doesn't regulate its body temperature. Um, She can't even sweat. So that's really challenging, especially in the summertime. She can overheat really easily. And um, it doesn't hold in moisture and it doesn't really keep bacteria out very well. So she can get skin infections very easily. And because she's making so much skin, she needs to consume a lot of calories. So she has a really hard time keeping up with her um, caloric needs and her hydration needs. So um, she eats like crazy and she grows very slowly. So she's about the size of her like 18 month old cousin. So, and she's almost four. Like Courtney explained, there are parts of Brenna's routine that have been around since the day they brought her home. The most important part of Brenna's skincare routine is her daily bath. So she gets a bath for um, about 45 minutes. And during that bath, we kind of exfoliate all the extra skin off that her body can't shed that quickly. So her body, and then her body can also soak in that moisture from the bath. So it's really comfortable for her. She doesn't necessarily like the scrubbing all that much sometimes, but um, after her bath, she is so comfortable. And then we also put um, a lotion called Aquaphor on about four or five times a day. It's really similar to Vaseline. That just keeps her skin moist and um, able to stretch and move better. So that's kind of the 
big part of her skincare routine. Um, you know, we wash our hands a lot. We try to keep our house clean. She goes to preschool now, so her school has a lot of precautions that they take to, you know, ensure that she stays healthy too. And then she eats like crazy, you know, so we're constantly having to give her really high calorie foods and a lot of water and drink. So that can, you know, that brings on its, you know, own issues, even something as small as that, because we're more willing to let her have extra treats or an extra snack and Connor will say, well, why don't I get one? And so that's been hard finding that balance of not treating them differently, but treating them differently. You know, that's what we do. That's what we've always done. It's what she always will do. A lot of people think that it's something she might grow out of, like eczema or something, and it's not like that at all. It's very severe, and she will always, always have to do all these things to take care of her skin. Now one of the biggest challenges for the Westlakes is balancing Brenna's needs with the normal, fun, adventurous life that their family craves. We've tried to figure out how we can keep this balance of still enjoying life and doing all the things that we normally do, and we have an amazing medical team that constantly encourages us to go out and to do the things that we want to do as a family. Um, so we have to balance that between, you know, keeping her healthy and making sure that everything is as clean as possible and that, you know, the temperature is okay for her. And so it's just, it's a lot of our life the past four years has been finding that balance. We have always been a big water family. You know, we, we love boating and skiing and all of our family vacation, well, a lot of our family vacations have been, you know, to the lake and it's been really hard to modify things like that because the lake is just full of bacteria. So that doesn't work. And then obviously temperature concerns and everything. So that's been such a challenge and sometimes it's just easier not to do it, but we don't want to do that too much. Um, we want to try to get out there and do do what we can because she Brenna is such a social outgoing person and she wants to do everything and participate in everything so that's been definitely a challenge with how to accommodate her sometimes we know it would be a whole lot easier just to stay home or to do small things but she she wants to go out and, and do things and we want to go out and do things as a family. And so, you know, let's, let's just do it. Even if we have to get creative. The Westlakes are getting really good at getting creative. This past summer, they even took a cross country road trip with Brenna. I mean, we took a road trip um, for 10 days last year, cross country. And it was crazy. We, you know, we laid out, her stuff in the back of our van and put her aquaphor on at um, truck stops and we did her bath in hotels and I mean it was crazy but it was it was so much fun I'm glad we did it even though you know obviously it was stressful and she got a skin infection but those can be treated you know we're we're calling our dermatologist from the road and he's calling in prescriptions at the next town and you know that's just how life is I guess now. Brenna is nearly four years old, and she's starting to realize that there are some activities that aren't best for her. But Courtney and Evan are trying to help Brenna learn her own limitations so she can self-regulate. She's starting to 
realized that um, like a couple of times this summer, the three of us, Connor, Evan, and I went out boating with Evan's parents whilst a babysitter stayed with Brenna. And I don't feel bad about that either because it's special time with Connor and he needs that. And she also needs to learn her limitations. Like we don't want to limit her, but she is also realizing for herself that like she doesn't like strong wind. So a boat would not be comfortable. And, um, you know, obviously the heat really bothers her. So she knows that that probably wouldn't be her cup of tea. <laughs> and I think I think that's good for her to realize. And we definitely want her to try things and figure things out for herself, what she can and she can't do. And I think that is so important. I also don't feel bad doing things outside of her comfort zone um, with just either Evan and I or just Connor, things like that. Um, we've always tried to encourage self-awareness, you know, asking if she's hot or cold or hungry or things like that, because we want her skincare to be her responsibility, like as early as possible, because I think that will just help foster her independence and she'll be able to, you know, go over to a friend's house to play without me worrying, you know, oh, will they know to put her aquaphor on or will they know if she's overheating? Well, I don't want them to have to know. I want her to know that herself and be able to take care of herself. So um, we've really tried to foster uh, that independence with her self-care. Aside from the constant care of her skin, there are a few other challenges that Brenna deals with as well. She has a lot of motor delays because her skin just, you know, doesn't allow her to move very easily. So she does a lot of OT and PT and things like that and and speech she um she had a g2 place when she was eight months old and we just started weaning from that when she was about two and we finally got that taken out in august so that was a year later so for 18 months of her life she was completely fed by tube so she's had she had a lot of feeding therapy with that and also speech therapy because she didn't really develop those oral muscles. So we're still, you know, working on speech and everything, but she's doing really well. When your child looks different, whether that difference involves their skin, their limbs, their face, or extra equipment that they use to breathe, eat, or get around, they tend to attract a lot of attention. Young children are naturally curious, but Courtney thinks that the parents' reactions to that curiosity is key in helping their kids process differences in a respectful way. In my experience, my favorite reaction from adults or older kids who know better, who know how to filter their you know, actions and reactions, I just like when people just treat us like any other family who are out. You know, when moms just chat us up at the park or offer to help Brenna down the side or, or whatever, that is my absolute favorite reaction. And, and I know people are curious about it, um, but you know, everyone's curious about different things and that doesn't mean you necessarily have to bring them up immediately. I think it's important that we learn to get to know each other's stories better before we just dive right into shallow topics like what someone looks like. However, I know that 
kids are wired differently and that's fine because they're learning about their environments and I think it's wonderful for them to ask questions but I think um, one we need to teach them how to ask respectful questions and two we need to learn to keep that conversation open even when it might be embarrassing for us as parents, you know, I just think the worst thing parents can do when a kid asks about the way Brenna looks is um, to pull them away and and not speak to us because I think that teaches them that we're scary and they shouldn't talk to us and that she's different. Oh my gosh, we need to get away. And I, I just, I not that the parents have to even encourage questions immediately but just um you know if there's a child that says hey mom why is that baby red you know just if the mom could say well I'm not sure but you know the way the way we look you know it doesn't matter why don't you say hello to her and get to know her that that keeps that conversation open so that if I want to explain about Brenna's skin then I can and if not then that child still has that opportunity to say hi and get to know us. Earlier this year, Courtney wrote an article that went viral. It was published under a few different titles, but the gist was, this is what I wish you would say when your child points at my daughter. Surprisingly, she got some mixed reactions. Um, A couple different reactions I had is people would say to me, well, why don't you go up and explain to everyone all the time why Brenna's skin looks the way it does? Well, I don't think that's my responsibility either. Um, I think that's ridiculous. Um, And it's exhausting. I mean, I'm sure you know, it's exhausting having to talk about it, explain it all the time. And sometimes we just want to be that regular family at the park. But um, the other reaction that I had is... um, people who are in this differences side I guess were like well I don't I don't want to be asked all the time about this stuff so I completely understand that too and but people are curious and people want to know and even though we don't necessarily want to be that positive example role model all the time we are teaching, whether we want to or not, in every situation. So it's whether we want to teach people about how to you know, be filled with grace and kindness and how to respond positively or not. And even, you know what, a month after I wrote that article, we were sitting um, at a doctor's appointment across from a little girl, well, she was probably 10 or so, in a wheelchair with leg braces and Brenna looks over and goes mommy what's on her legs and I'm like oh now I get to put this into practice don't I (laughs) I just think it's so important to teach all of our kids how to ask questions respectfully how to how to just keep that conversation open and that differences are not scary and we can talk about them Last year we went to a family reunion and there was, you know, these third cousins we had never met and they had two little girls who were, I think, maybe like seven and nine or something and and um, they were sitting across from us and the seven-year-old kind of furrowed her brow and 
looked at me and looked at Brenna and said, why does her face look like that? Um, I said, well, that's how she was born. She has really dry skin, so she has to wear this thick lotion. It makes her skin feel better. And she said, it's kind of creeping me out. And I mean, that was just like, oh, such heartache for me to hear that, you know, your kid's face is creeping me out. What do you even say to that? But I, it was, it was probably the meanest thing someone had ever said, but I think it was handled the best way a parent has ever handled a situation because the mom was sitting there and she said, that was extremely rude and you know it. What do you say? And the little girl said, I'm sorry. And, and then we went on to explain more about Brenna's skin. And, you know, she put that on her daughter. She didn't put that on herself and make us feel bad and run off. And... Um, she addressed it head on and she left that conversation open and we continued to talk about it and the kids continued to play together and by the end of the night that little girl she was chasing Brenna around and she looked at me and she said she's really cute and I feel like because we were able to educate her she got over it and it finally it, it didn't bother her anymore I guess because she was just able to be around it and talk about it and see it. Having Brenna has helped Courtney think about beauty in a whole new way. I wouldn't say I was ever like a shallow person or anything it just wasn't something I really thought about very much and I was like before I had Brenna I was so much more quick to judge from the outside and to think that I knew someone's stories based upon a couple of little things that I had seen or heard. And now I think having Brenna has opened my eyes and my heart so much to learn and discover how, how deep everyone's stories run and how there's so much beauty in so many little things that I never would have noticed before. I think I've just developed such an appreciation for so many of the little celebrations that a lot of people probably wouldn't even think twice about. And I've really learned how to listen better. And I feel like I'm a better friend and, and just a better person. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but it's amazing what it does to your heart if you allow yourself to see that beauty and be open to it. Courtney Westlake is a writer, photographer, blogger, and author living in central Illinois with her husband, Evan, and their two children. You can find her on the web at blessedbybrenna.com. Today's episode was recorded and produced by me, Sarah Evans. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to make sure you're subscribed in iTunes. Then share the show with a friend. The more subscribers we get, the easier it will be for other parents to find us. At the end of this month, we're doing a special episode all about gratitude. I want you to think about what you are most thankful for as it relates to your family member with special needs. What one thing, what bit of progress or tender moment have you really appreciated from 2015 so far? Please visit the website to record your answer directly from your phone or computer. 
just visit bringingupbetty.com and then click share your story at the top. For notes on today's show, please visit bringingupbetty.com slash 12. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.